Hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Welcome to the Foreign Film Academy. You know what I realized? What? We never introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah, they we, don't want to know. We are. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we always just jump into things, and so I just okay. wonder can people even tell the difference between our voices? I'm not sure. But I'm Brittany, she by the way. Uh, I'm also Brittany. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this is the Brittany and Brittany show. <laughs> this is the Brittany and Brittany show. It's the B&B. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm Sydney. Uh, I feel like we need to kind of reintroduce uh, what we do over here at the Foreign Film Academy. Yeah, we should probably we should probably go over that. <laughs> Give over a little explanation. Um, so basically, Brittany and I, we just graduated film school in May. And mm-hmm. a lot of the time in film school, we never really watched anything outside Western culture. It's basically the things you see in the theaters and... <laughs> and nothing... then the Great Train Robbery 75 times. <laughs> We got to see we got to see Hollywood films and the Great Train Robbery. Yep, <laughs> and that's so, about it. Yep. So we decided that you know what we have to kind of get outside our our realm of film and really get to to try out a whole bunch of foreign cinema. Yeah, like just kind of open our horizons on what is out there and the different filmmakers that we can learn from. Um, it's really just something that we want to try out and because there's so many films out there and so many great filmmakers that I've never heard of and that could just bring so much to, to our, even our different styles and mm-hmm. just we can learn and see how other people do it that isn't just the Hollywood format. Yeah. Um, and that's also why we, that's why we called it the Foreign Film Academy, right? Yeah. Um, not because we are these great filmmakers um, (laughs) to learn from, but more so that we want to go and look at how other masters create their films and what can we learn from them. Yeah. So we basically just every week or every other week, we, uh, one of us picks a film, the person who picks the film researches the film and the other person is completely surprised by the information. Uh, We come, Mm -hmm. we listen to each other, we talk about it. And it's really just about learning and for hopefully for you to learn how the film was made. Um, But we're also hoping to expand it a little bit and have some of the actual filmmakers on. And we're just we're just seeing how this thing goes. And hopefully, hopefully you like the foreign films that we pick like this episode, which is on (gasps) Nurja. Ah, yay. (laughs) I'm excited to get into Nerja. I think it was a really good film and uh, it's yeah. going to be a fun one to talk about. Once you overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. <laughs> Welcome back. Today, we are talking about Nerja, which is a Chinese uh, animation film that was released in 2019. Um, it was a really, really fun film. I thought it was really cute. I am a huge fan of animation films, um, which we've kind of said in past episodes, but I think it always needs to be reiterated. Yeah. Um 
when we watch the Oscars, the animated section is the only section where I've seen every film. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I saw that this film uh, was an animated feature from China that did like really, really well at the box office, I was like, ah, yay! <laughs> <laughs> That's mine! <laughs> yeah. That, so I decided to pick it, but... Uh, yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Any opening thoughts? Any opening thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. The minute it it turned on and it started to play, mm-hmm. I all I thought was, this is such a Britney film. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is Britney in a film. <laughs> Why? I love it, but tell me. Yeah. Okay, so it has like this, what's the proper word? Like, mythical kind of like um like fantastic yeah and yeah. yeah just the way they talk and the way it's done um it just it just reminded me so much of you <laughs> that i thought that's, it was the perfect film <laughs> that's such a huge compliment you have no idea how much i'm glowing to hear you say that because i really really liked it i <laughs> i thought it was funny I thought it was, you know, there were certain parts where it was tailored to kids because there was a little bit of, like, you know, like, fart comedy and, like, (laughs) you know, various things like that. But but I thought generally um, it it hit a lot of marks that I just love in an animation film where it's made for kids, but adults can enjoy it. Yeah. And there's a bigger theme to be taken from it. Because um, yep. sometimes with animated films, like when it becomes too intense, and then all of a sudden kids are missing half of the half of the film, that really bothers me. Because the point is, like, to make it for the children. Yeah. And then if the adults like it, that's like great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I just I really like this film, so I'm 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 really happy to hear you say that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, should I go over a little plot? Absolutely. Okay. This plot is a little long, but I didn't know how to it's, cut it down. It's Because tough. it's a little bit of a complex film. Yeah. So just bear with us. If you want to skip over, maybe pop a minute ahead. This might be a, yeah. <laughs> might be a long one. Um, so basically, in the beginning of this film, um, there was the Chaos Pearl, and its powers were boundless. So basically, the Primeval God... Um, split the power of the Chaos Pearl into a demon orb and a spirit pearl. He then places this curse on the demon orb so that in three years' time it will be destroyed by a powerful lightning strike. Okay. The god then instructs uh, Tai Yi, who is kind of a deity in this world, um, to take the spirit pearl and reincarnate it as the third son of Li Jing, um, and this, this son is going to be named Nurja. So then there's another character, Shen, who conspires to spe- steal the spirit pearl. Um, and essentially what he does is he takes the spirit pearl and replaces it with the demon orb so that the son then has the demon orb inside of him when he's born. Um... And so the story is about this young boy who's growing up 
thinking that he is a demon and thinking that he is unwanted by the people around him. Um, and he's not even really sure why, because no one ever tells him that he is a product of this demon orb. Mm. Um, so Shen then takes the spirit pearl to the Dragon King to reincarnate it as the Dragon King's son, Ao Bie. And the the son is essentially going to take the dragons out of this like hellish prison that they are a part of because they are demons. Dragons are a form of demons in this world. And so yeah. by having this holy thing and part of the sun, the idea is Albie will be able to, you know, kind of uplift the dragon race. Yeah. So that's kind of an intro of the film. Um, I could go through the rest of it, but, uh, I think that really gives a, a good sense of yeah you know, what's going on. The the animated little boy, like, Nerja, um, yeah. was probably the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he had, I've, okay, I, I gotta be honest, like, um... I haven't seen so much personality in an animated character like this in a while. Yeah. Um, he was, and I can't even really say that for all the characters, but him, he had such a particular personality, and you really could see, like, what he was all about, and through an animation, that's pretty impressive, because you don't get that a lot. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that, because, um... The production team went through more than a hundred different versions of Nerja before <laughs> settling on, quote, the most unpleasant one. A mischievous looking boy with puppy eyes and crooked teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's just funny because, because I, I actually get what you're saying where he, there's something so like endearing and you start to root for him. But yeah. at the beginning of the film, yeah, I don't know if I was like totally in love with him instantly yeah because yeah. of you know his character design was a little like because it was so like <laughs> gruff and he he was like you know yeah know, had this had this kind of evil look to him it was like i fell in love with him throughout the film and throughout his like prejudice that he went through for his whole yeah life. yeah i think it really yeah, I, I can totally agree, because I think when he first showed up on screen, I was like, oh, <laughs> he's kind of an odd-looking dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I forget how many years later. I guess it, guess it was almost three, like two and a half or whatever. Um, yeah. But, and then he was just, like, so lonely, and he just wanted to go play with somebody. That's mm -hmm. when you're, like, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, your heart to this kid. And it's just yeah. like, because he doesn't know, like, he's not trying to be a bad He's not trying to be a demon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he just like yeah. wants to play ball with a kid. Like it's yeah. it's sad. But Well I think one of the most powerful scenes in the film was definitely when Albier uh came yeah. and they had the, that fight with the demon at first and then they 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 fended off the demon and they're just then playing ball and he starts crying. Mm -hmm. Nurja just, just starts crying and is like, this is the first time I've ever played with anybody. And it's a really like tender moment. Yeah. And I think that was a huge turning point for me. Yeah. Um, 
because you just like really realize wow like this kid's whole life people have been treating him like he's some monster yeah and he technically never acted like a monster until they were treating him like a monster and then he was kind of like well screw you if if you guys are going to treat me badly well then i'm gonna i'm gonna be this this beast that you think i am yeah it it really is an interesting uh theme because it's it says a lot how yes okay technically he's a demon <laughs> mm-hmm. like at the end of the day that's what his like true being is but that doesn't mean that he has to like act like one like he his parents showed him kind of like he oh he only loves his parents he loves the people who care about him he he never like really he never tries to hurt them like he only tries to hurt the people who don't believe that he can be good and mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting how at the beginning they said we're gonna like we're gonna keep him away from you guys and if he does anything wrong like that's on me that's not on him it's interesting because it, it really does say something about how like we could raise kids it's just like if we treat everybody like good people like they'll become good people <laughs> yeah. if you treat somebody like shit and you think of like and you just treat them like dirt then like that's what they'll become because mm-hmm. like you are what people treat mm-hmm. you as well and even you know when they're it's like around the two-year mark or whatever and uh nurja's mom lies to him and says that yeah. he was born of the spirit pearl right um and that he's destined to be this great demon hunter all of a sudden he's like so happy and excited because finally someone has told him you actually are destined for greatness you're destined to do good for the world yeah and then he you know he goes on this training mission and eventually becomes so impatient that i can do it like i can help people yeah and then sneaks out and ends up torching a village and you know, <laughs> you know. <it's, laughs> sometimes it do be like that like sometimes it happens i feel like that sometimes so i don't know torch yep. a village or two in my day yep how and i may be jumping the gun a little bit here but um mm-hmm. how did you feel about the ending so their spirits are still uh basically like alive and um mm-hmm. even though they're not physically there like or, like, their parents can still talk to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of that. <laughs> right, why? Like, well, I don't know. I don't know if it was just me, but he didn't, like, Nurja didn't really seem like he wanted to still... It, it seemed like he had accepted what was going to happen to him. And mm-hmm. I'm not too sure that I'm a huge fan of them bringing him back to... Like, I mean, he... He got closure in the fact that everybody now in the town, like, um, like, sees him for who he truly is, and mm-hmm. he saved everybody, and he was happy at the end, but it's like, I just, like, he kind of accepted his fate, and he can no longer be a physical being, like, it doesn't seem like something that, I don't know, I would want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it almost seems like he's now, like, trapped into this spiritual <laughs> right body. he went from being he went from being one trapped being to yeah. kind of another yeah that's interesting <laughs> that's a really interesting way of thinking about it <laughs> i kind of saw it as like uh he wasn't necessarily accepting his fate because he wanted to but more because he realized that 
it was like his responsibility to protect the people that he loved. Yeah. Because, you know, the the father was trying to take Nurja's place right. in the lightning strike. Right. And and so it was more like he was not wanting to necessarily die, but he also wanted his fate to be his own burden to bear. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think the the kind of cool thing is that um so the name Taiyi, who was the the kind of overweight deity um who kind of caused a bunch of trouble in the film. Yeah. He he generally had good intentions. Um it the the name Taiyi stands for primordial unity of yin and yang. Oh, okay. So that was his job all along was to bring together the spirits of yin and yang. Right. So in the end, when he has them both and their little flower, as much as he didn't like force them to do that, he brought them together um, to be in harmony together. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like those little name plays that films do. (laughs) Yeah. They're really nice. Yeah. So fun some fun things um this was based on a book okay cool um so the book was called the investiture of the gods okay um and it was written in the 16th century there's debate on when in the 16th century it was written um so i don't have a necessary date i would Um, like uh date time and location (laughs) please yeah right down yeah and location yeah yep Thank you. But uh, the Chinese title is Fang Shen Yan Yi. That, yeah, it basically translates to the investiture of the gods. Okay. Um, and the book kind of combines elements of history, folklore, mythology, legends, fantasy, all that intertwined. Um, so it has elements of Chinese uh, mythology. And then, you know, some of it is made up and yeah, and whatever. But it has, like, deities, immortal spirits, that kind of thing. So um, I'd like to move on now a little more about the director Ooh. and the, the making of the film. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of, like, an interesting story. So it was directed by Yang Yu. Um, and he is a self-taught animator. Oh, wow. And he made this feature film... Um, it's his feature film debut at the age of 38. Wow. Yeah. So, um, he was born in Southwest China and both his parents were doctors. And so he basically went to university to study pharmacy. And it was kind of a, a huge switch because after three years, just quit. To pursue his dream of being an animator. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so you you start to see some parallels when you read some of his interviews with the whole idea of destiny and what you're supposed to do. Oh, okay. And, and then finding your own way because um, he basically taught himself how to animate using like a computer software and uh, he landed a, a job producing 3d animated advertisements but he always like since childhood he was a big fan of japanese anime and it's kind of neat to to see okay how we're getting inspired by 
different countries like films and this is a a creator that was very much inspired by japanese anime mm-hmm. yeah um that is interesting. and specifically when you start to realize the culture and the business of chinese animation studios because essentially prior to this film there wasn't a huge opportunity to make animation films that would be financially successful oh yeah so there really weren't a lot of investors because okay if animation films are not making money then why would i invest in chinese animation films sure so it's kind of like a chicken and the egg situation where okay well you can't get a good chinese animation film because you don't have investors but investors won't invest because there's no good chinese animation sure yeah right so so it was kind of this like grassroots animation process so according to uh csc financial animated films in china accounted for only six to ten percent of total box office sales (laughs) that's so there were yeah so a lot of people blamed like lack of talent um no but it was more like you know if you don't have an industry yeah well then you're not going to see success from the industry so um specifically when he left his university his doctor track (laughs) in university to go from oh i'm gonna be a doctor to okay i'm going into animation where there's not really a big opportunity to make money There were so many people that told him that he was whack. Like, you know, I can imagine. a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Right? So there's this quote and he says, I suffered a lot from prejudice after changing my career. Since then, I have thought about making an animated film to encourage young people to chase their dreams and change their fate. Oh, <laughs> do it, do right? it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch it. Right? <laughs> so that's what, that's what Nurja was all about was about you know this fate this fate that people like set for him um yeah and it's it's why he connected with the mythological character that he read from the book that's interesting yeah it's such an interesting way to convey that message um through this story uh do you know so when did he or how did he even come across this book did you find anything on that or not really no, it was really, really tough to find a whole lot of, um, like, interviews and stuff. Because, yeah. like, he didn't really have, like, a social media that I could access. Or, like, there weren't, like, a lot of interviews yeah. um, coming out of, of China. That's the only hard thing so... about doing foreign films is that I find with some of them, it's really hard to find information. And... yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's just because we literally just don't have access to the information or is over-interviewing and over, like, posting about films. Like, is that more of a westernized thing? Like, I actually don't know the question mm-hmm. to, or the answer to that. Maybe that's something mm-hmm. I can look up, but, um, because it's so easy to find things, like, that are going on in Hollywood, but I, I, some of these are just, have yeah. just been difficult to find good, like, good information on it. yeah. So the thing that did happen, though, was that um, in 2015, there was an animation film that came out um, that was called The Monkey King. Monkey King, Hero is Back. 
and it was like a huge hit. Okay. Um, and kind of similarly, it was based on the Chinese classic Journey to the West kind of thing. Okay. Um, and it made a lot of money, almost uh, one hundred and fifty-three million U.S. Ooh. So, ow, ow. yeah, it did really well, and so then that kind of gave. A big push to get Nerja going because okay. it's like, oh, we have an animated success. Let's see if this one will be a success. Oh, interesting. Um, and then when Nerja did so well, um, which I'll get to a little bit later, mm-hmm. like how well it did. Yeah. Um, but Nerja did so well, and so now people are really excited because it's like, oh, maybe we can create a universe similar to like Marvel or DC, where you can draw from Chinese mythology mm. as part of, like, this, you know, collective, like, superheroes yeah. that are, like, known in the culture. Um, so it's got a lot of people really excited because it's an industry that they didn't have prior to, you know, the Monkey King and now Nerja. And it's it's bringing so much positive response yeah. that... It's really getting people excited, getting people interested in Chinese animation. Um, And so it's kind of cool to see like a completely undiscovered area for their country and their cinema. Yeah. But he, he has this quote that he says, when high quality animated works are produced on a regular basis, then we will embrace the true spring of Chinese animation. (laughs) When the notion that the, quote, rise of Chinese animation is no longer being discussed so often and people see high quality domestic animated works as normal, then that is when Chinese animation renaissance has truly arrived. I like that. There's a long way to go, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, I didn't, I've never really thought about how I've never really seen Chinese animations I guess, mm-hmm. I guess when I think about it, like, I've seen a lot, or I wouldn't even say a lot, but I've seen a few Japanese animations. I've seen, obviously, uh, like, American animations. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think about, okay, can you name one Canadian animated film? <laughs> I can't. And I'm a huge animation buff. I have no idea. Like, right? Feature length? No, yeah. I don't think I can. Like, Box office feature length Canadian animation. I'm legit thinking right now. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And obviously there there's gotta be some, but I This is where the blind the, the blinds the lines between what's Canadian and what's American always get me mix, mixed up because there's a lot of American films that are filmed in Canada, but animation that's different. I can name a bunch of Canadian animation TV shows. Um, but it's just interesting to see, okay, there was this, like, untouched category of film in China, and these films are now breaking out and really doing well and getting critical acclaim, um, and it's kind of cool to think, okay, like, what could we do, like, in Canada? Right. Yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. It's just really inspiring to see kind of the birth of a genre and of course the more success they have the more people will invest yep. and the more the chinese animation genre will you know thrive and flourish and yeah. i think people will find their own way of expressing and 
what does it look like? You know, what does Chinese animation look like? Because right now we kind of only have two box office hit films yeah. to like reference. Yeah. It is interesting to see because I think especially with everybody being quarantined and COVID, I've heard that there's a lot of animations that were happening because the film mm. industry needed to put their money towards something. Um, right. So I don't know when those are, are going to be released because they're just being made, but um, I yeah. wonder if that might even help, like, at least Canada's uh, rise in animation. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's actually super interesting because yeah. it's true. You know, on a film set, you need hundreds of people. Yeah. Versus animation... You know, you could each have your little cubicle, like your little boxes, sure. and you could, you could, you could maybe it make it home. work. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. so it's really cool because Nerja did so well in the box office. Um, and the other thing that's neat is that, so the director was fairly unknown. Yeah. Um, and the voice actors were all fairly unknown. Mm-hmm. So nobody thought it was going to be a big deal. Yep. Right. And then as of August 2019, the film became the highest grossing animated film in China. Wow. Period. Wow. Um, it became the worldwide highest grossing non-US animated film. Wow. Yep. So it passed our boy Spirited Away. Yeah, true. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's the second worldwide uh, highest grossing non-English oh, okay. uh, language film of all time. Wow. Good for it. So it, it grossed seven hundred and twenty-five million. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's approximately how much I'm going to make off my short film. Oh sure, right? Of course. I don't know, but we're <laughs> we're we're guessing that we're part, in that ballpark. Yeah. We're, so we're we're definitely like around. We there. only have about five thousand to make it, but we're gonna make sure around. 70 million. That's how it works, yeah, right? So. The the return value. I think so. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for Thank you. Thank you. Remember Thank me. Thank you. I- <laughs> okay. When, when you're, you know, famous and rich off of your short yeah. film, remember okay. me. Don't, maybe, don't forget about the little people. Maybe you can interview me one day. I don't know. Ooh, spicy. Can't wait. <laughs> Hot exclusive. <laughs> uh, no, um, that's cool. So... Yeah, and the other thing that was uh, kind of fun was that it was selected as the Chinese entry for Best International Feature Film for the Oscars. Oh, was it? Yep, in 20, well, 2020. So it got beat out by our boy Parasite. Ah. Um, but, That's well, actually, it technically didn't even, it technically didn't even get nominated. <laughs> but it was, it was the Chinese submission. Oh, I go, I get what you mean. Okay. Yeah, and then it did, it did really well, uh... It was the winner of the China Film Critics Award. Um, it was for the original song of the year, uh, top 10 films, special jury prize, and it was nominee for director of the year. Yeah. So, yeah, it did It did super well. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Like, it was very, it had an intriguing story. And that was kind of the word I was looking for before you said it a while back but folklore it was just like i don't know why that type of stuff just reminds me of you it's just it just does (laughs) though and as soon as it started talking about all this like folklore i was like this in an animation it's like yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. it um well i just love it because when you when you think about world building 
it's such a cool animation because there are so many questions that were unanswered and they didn't make me frustrated that they were unanswered you know like I wasn't mad because I'm like there's all these plot holes but it was like oh my goodness like I wonder what's gonna happen like what's gonna happen when you know Shen gets in trouble like is he gonna get in trouble is something gonna happen with the dragon king like what is the future of this world what is the past of this world like there were so many questions because the because the world just was so rich and also the story that we got didn't leave questions that frustrated me yeah yeah it just intrigued like you know it intrigued yeah yeah i thought i thought the story just to kind of go back to story. Yeah. The other thing I really liked in the plot was um how the mom, like the mom character was so amazing. Yeah. She was so soft and gentle and feminine. But then she also was like the person people called when there's a demon in the mm. town and they need someone to fight it. Yeah. And, you know, she could take it when Nurja would hit her with like a hard <laughs> kick by accident, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was it was also really cool to see like a, a female character who was so realized. Yeah. I like how she was very much like you could just feel her motherly instincts very well. It totally translated yeah. like yeah. and she did things that she knew wasn't necessarily right but she was just trying to help and uh, that's just mm-hmm. that's just what that's all parents can really do and even though they're not necessarily right every time doing it it's like at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you're just trying to make your son or your daughter, like, happy, your child happy. Um, yeah. And you're just trying to get them through whatever struggles they had. And he had a big struggle, and she was just trying to realize that, um, help him realize that he's worth more than I think other people realize. Right. Yeah, I thought the par- the like, the parents were such yeah. interesting characters. Um specifically too how like the dad was allowed to be Mm, emotional mm -hmm. um you know because that's something that i i didn't necessarily expect was like at the end first of all he was willing to sacrifice himself for his son but then also at the end he's like crying when nurja is like you know traps them and is like leaving and you see tears coming down his face and it's like you know, you're allowed to be, to feel feelings and, and as much as he was strong for a lot of the film, you know, there was moments of vulnerability too within those characters. So, yeah. Um, and especially when you have this main character who's destined to be evil. Right. Um, it's definitely, uh, a really cool, like juxtaposition, I guess. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that word, too. And I mean, I get it. The whole the whole film, the concept is balance. You know, it's, sure. it's about yin and yang. Um, you know, not That's new. not overly no. hidden or nuanced. It's very much, yep. this is the story. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's really cool how the characters, not only the main two characters, but all of the characters in the film had positives and negatives and 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 i don't know they're they're just like the theme of like prejudice yep it's like everybody was dealing with their own prejudice throughout the film like even shen 
you know, the, the idea that he was a panther, I think. And so that's why he wasn't allowed to go to heaven either. Or he wasn't allowed to be one of the 12. Right. Because he, he also came from demons. Yeah. And this idea that you're labeled evil. Sure. Even Albier, the fact that he was inherently a good character because he was given the spirit, the spirit mm -hmm. orb. And yet he was willing to do such an evil thing like crush an entire <laughs> village because he was labeled as the savior for the dragons. Right. It's a lot about pressure. You know, the pressure that you feel from others to be something other than you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think this is the first film where, like, that I've ever seen where there's no, like, real, like, villain. Yeah. You know, in that fight, there was no truly evil, like, neither of them were evil. They're both just trying to deal with, you know, what they perceive to be their fate or what they should be doing in the situation. Right. In a strange way... I almost agree, but totally disagree, because I feel like that, that, that like the majority of the films that we watch like don't have real villains. Because like, I think about Burning. It's like, there's no real villain. True. Um, Same with Spirited like, Away. Like, Spirited Away. Yeah. Who was the real villain? Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like that's, movies are getting better at that, like, or just plots are getting better at that, I've, uh, showing showing even the villains yeah. what they perceive like insecurities or what actually makes them do what they do. Right. Like, there's always a reason. Yeah, showing um, them as complicated people rather than just bad guy, good guy. Yeah, yeah, that's Kinda like that's yeah. a really good point. And you think about like even within your own life instances where you've gotten into fights with people and it's like, of course you've done something wrong. You know, there's sure. no there's no fight that you have with people where you are the saint, <laughs> like, and you know there's nothing wrong that you've done. No, if you're yeah. if you're having disagreements with people, especially people that you love, you've done probably something's right and something's wrong, and they've done something's right and something's wrong, and you know nobody is perfect, which is, you know cliche and people say it but i think it's it's really nicely embodied in this film yeah i agree well that ends our um relationship advice for this week's podcast yeah nobody's perfect yeah. you gotta just <laughs> love each other there's good and bad in everyone and it's okay you gotta just embrace that yeah well, I embrace friendship. I embrace your bad parts, Sydney. I don't embrace yours. It's because I don't have this any. This is awkward. Oh. <laughs> oh, right, right. Sorry. I, I forgot, I'm forgot. the one exception to the rule. <laughs> no bad in me. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Should we move on to um, takeaways? Yeah, let's do it. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Maybe, ooh, you know how a while back I said, like, we need, like, a little jingle for takeaways? Mm-hmm. Maybe that can just be it. Oh, just <laughs> it's pew, just, pew, pew. <laughs> just, 
Take away. Pew, 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 pew. Ooh, okay. Then we go into it. No, yeah, yeah. you know what? It'll be an insert of a <laughs> random sound effect each week. Ooh. Just, you get a different sound effect. Yeah. I already Ooh, know. I, like it. I already know what this week's sound effect is. So I'm gonna <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do it again so that the people know what what's going on. Now it's okay, time so... for our takeaways. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. That was a good sound effect. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for adding that in. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> oh boy. Um. I think this is maybe one of the first weeks where I don't have a takeaway ready. <laughs> All right, I think I might have one. All right, go for it. Um, so I'd say my takeaway, which is kind of an interesting one, because it has less to do with the film and more with the director. Um, so he he made this film at thirty eight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like that's, and I've I've seen this a lot more and more recently. Maybe just because I'm looking into it more, but I feel like. Especially with right now, with us, like, just getting out of school, there's so much pressure to be doing a lot. Yep. And we are. Yep. I'm tired. <laughs> Everybody's tired. Yeah. But, and and you see some people succeeding more than you, or, mm-hmm. or the opposite, whatever, mm-hmm. and there's so much pressure. Like, you gotta do this while you're young. You gotta get into it while you're young. And it's really, it's really hard sometimes that you put that pressure on you, because you're thinking... Well, like, for me personally, I'm 22, and I haven't done this yet. Right. I haven't done, like, I need to be at a certain point when I'm 25. I need to, whatever. Because there's some people at 22 who have made, like, a bunch of films that are, like, really successful, and it's really hard. Um, But it just kind of goes to show that, like, you're not, like, there is no rush necessarily. Like, he's 38 years old. And he still made an amazing film. Mm-hmm. He it didn't like he ended a whole career, um, possible career to do this. And you're just you're never too old to start mm-hmm. and or to succeed, I guess. Even yeah. like we're starting now, we might not have something that's successful till we're forty five. Like I don't know. Right. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just reality. Yeah. Um. So it just kind of reminds you to just keep your head up high and just. Like he said, don't don't give up on what you want to do and what you're meant to do in life. Mm-hmm. If you if you truly believe that that's what you're meant to do. Yeah, I like that one for sure. I think mine is connecting a little more to the film, um, but it has you know obviously I love fantasy and I love world building, um, and something that I can take away from this film is. As much as you can build this extravagant, like, rich folklore, mm-hmm. the story still needs to be based in something that is connected to you, the director or the writer. Okay. Yeah. Right? The The crux of this story is that there's pressure from other people to be something that you don't want to be. Right. There's external forces that are telling you you are blank a demon a doctor this is who you are this is who you will be mm-hmm. and there's something to be taken from choosing your own fate that's yeah. a very personal story to him the director right he has a real personal connection to this plot line um yeah. and so as much as he made this 
this really beautiful, rich mythology, the crux of the story is still based in something that's very human and something that viewers can connect to as well. Yeah. Because sometimes I think if you get too fantastical with it, you get too abstract and, you know, the, the story is about, you know, something that's not accessible to the average person. Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden you lose the power of your film. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Wow. Look at us. I know. This was such we... a good film. I'm so... Yeah. I love animation. I know we've... I've said that like a million times. <laughs> but I just... I don't know why it makes me so happy. And I already have... Okay, there's this one film that's coming out in December... So I already have it written on the calendar that we're going to watch it for the podcast. <laughs> it's an Irish okay, animation cool. film. Um, oh. Yeah. I'm but in. Anyways, I was just like looking through it and I'm like, you know what? It's just so fun. It's it it's bright. It makes you smile. Yeah. And, you uh, can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah. And this one was on Netflix. So. What? This one was on Netflix? What? Oh no, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We're done. Oh boy. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, maybe. I'll be here. If you're I'll here, see. you know, stop by. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to check my schedule, but. Let me know. Okay. You're a busy cool. woman. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, so Sid, yeah, I have something kind of fun. I was perusing on the Canadian National Film Board website, and I found this film that looked really, really cool, and okay. I thought we should definitely check it out for next week. Um, so it's called Agents, and basically it's a VR AI film. So essentially the project is um, kind of this AI world where you can interact with the film as it, as it goes on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the gist of it is that agents, it's called agents and it places uh, the fate of an artificially intelligent creatures in your hands. Okay. Will you help them to maintain peaceful existence or throw them into a state of chaos? It's a dynamic film that merges cinematic storytelling, artificial intelligence, and user interactivity. Agents is never the same twice. Oh, interesting. Um, so anyways, I was just I was just so excited and I decided, hey, you know what? Let me reach out to the director of this mm-hmm. and yeah. see if he wants to like chat with us. And he does. Ooh. So <laughs> yay. So I'm actually super, super excited. Um, so his name is Pietro. He's going to be on the podcast next week and, um, we're going to be able to actually get some, some answers when it comes to directing and, uh, how do you go about making a story that is constantly changing? And it's just, I think it's going to be a really interesting, uh, conversation about where filmmaking could go in the future. I think there is some argument that 
this could be considered more of a game than a film but okay. i think that is going to be an interesting like conversation for us to have because it's on the nfb website they identify it as a film um so i was thinking it'd be fun to talk about it so anyways look forward to that next week and uh get excited